You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. So glad you guys are here. If you're visiting today, we have a special gift for you. We have an Elevation mug, or we have these cool-looking buffs. Uh, The adults call them masks but teens call them buffs. I guess, I don't know why, but um, you can have one of those. Uh, we, and if you want a buff to take for, for your own, uh, we just ask for a donation. Um, but we would love to connect with you. Uh, fill out a connect card online. Just go to our website and you can fill out a contact form that way. Or just go to our phone app. It's Church Center just church center, and then enter the prompting information. Um, I wanted to kind of, before we get into the message, I want to clue you in on something very exciting. And before I do that, I just want to encourage all of you that call Elevation Community Church your home. We have never had an event where you guys haven't showed up, provided resources, showed up to serve. There's no event that we have done that in our minds was unsuccessful. And it's because of your faithfulness. It's because of your generosity. I mean, look at this. We're in COVID and look at at all this. This is incredible. Now, granted, we still want to serve each other. That's why we have the green, yellow, and red stickers. So please be aware of that and serve one another in love. Put others' needs in front of your own. Um, But we are doing a trick-or-treat drive-through, not trunk-or-treat like you've known before, because we're going to do a drive-through where the kids and the family don't have to leave the safety and comfort of their vehicle. But what we're going to do different this year is we're going to take them through a story. I'm a theatrical guy. I I went to school for that. And um, we have an incredible creative team. And we are putting together a Christian haunted trail is kind of how I describe it. Please don't use my words and twist them. It's just they're driving through, and we're going to have professional-looking scenes. We're going to have a uh, car accident scene. We have the Blanchester police coming out, ambulance. We need an ambulance, by the way. Um, We have a crime scene, murder scene, all this kind of stuff that's going to remind people of the destruction of sin, and we're going to talk about the origins of sin today and how we're still living in a broken world, let alone our government that has removed themselves from being under God. But I just wanna, I just wanna explain to you that we're gonna remind people of their sin, but then as they drive through the rest, we're gonna remind them that there's hope, and the only hope is Jesus Christ, his death, but also his resurrection. And so we're going to need some things from you, but I'll get there in just a moment. So the first thing I want to do is the what. It is a drive-through experience. The second uh, creative drive-through experience that shares the good news to help remind people of the destruction of sin and the hope and freedom that only Christ gives. That's what we want to do. And I'm sorry, I'm so excited from worship. I'm getting ahead of myself. So number two is the why. We all want to know the why. That's the vision of what we do. Our vision here at Elevation Community Church, if you're guests, this is for you as well. We long to create experiences. We want to create experiences. Experiences aren't bad. Who would marry someone that they don't have any experience with them, right? We don't want people to just know God. We want them to experience God. We don't want people just to understand worship. We want them to experience worship. So we create experiences for the lost, for those unreached. Sometimes we create experiences for you, the believers, to build into you and grow you up in Christ. So we want to create experiences for people to encounter the real hope in Christ and to experience real life change. Is that a good why? I think so. Is that a good vision? Thank you, Sherry. (laughs) All right, number three, let's go. What we need, everyone say it together, candy. We need more candy than probably the last couple years combined, and I'll tell you why. We are making eight by 10 goodie bags, and we're making 700 of them. Believe me, if you're a kid and you go through the drive-thru and you get just a little bit of candy, we are not going to be looking quite well in the eyes of that kid. 
So we want to deliver. And so just please keep getting candy. Bring them on Sundays. We've got one more Sunday next Sunday before the actual Sunday. I'd really like it if we could get all the candy in next Sunday because we have to fill the 700 bags. So candy, we need candy. What else do we need? We need lots of supplies. So if you have any fencing, any orange fencing, chain link wood, burn barrels, anything you find in an alley, road construction items, we need an ambulance. We, uh, black lights and work lights, we need all of that. So if you have that, please uh, put that on the card. Have we passed those out yet? So you can be filling that out right now and then you don't have to turn it in. All you have to do is leave it on your seat when you leave today and we will collect them. Uh, what else do we need? We need you. We don't need as many trunks this year, we need you. And here's where we need you. Number one, we need about 20 plus people to hold up a cardboard testimony. Have you ever seen those cardboard testimonies? It's basically, I am free from whatever God has freed you from. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's uh, he's freed you from being lost and hopeless and alone. Maybe he's freed you from PTSD. Maybe he's freed you from this or that. We want people to understand Understand that because of Jesus and because of the empty tomb, that they don't have to choose death. They don't have to choose sin and hell. They can choose life. And we want to present to them how God changes lives. So we need you guys. If we have less than 20, it's not going to be as impactful. So we need you. So make sure you check that off if that is you. The second group of people we need is we need 12 drunk trunks, not drunks. We don't need 12 drunks. Um, that will be on October 30th on Halloween. Um, we need 12 trunks decorated, I should sit down, uh, 12 dr trunks decorated to party. Now, what we mean by that is if you sign up for a trunk, one of our leaders will connect with you and tell you how to decorate your trunk. Don't be mad. We're trying to get a constant theme consistent with what we're trying to produce in the party zone. Okay, we're going to celebrate our freedom, and so we're excited about that. The last part we need is 50 plus. We need people in the parking lot. If people don't show up to celebrate the people who are driving through, it's going to fall flat. So we need people to let them know that, you know what, we're excited about our freedom in Christ. We're excited about what God's doing. There are so many people who are lost, who are the prodigals, who have strayed from God, who are hopeless, who are panicky, paranoid, and the only reason they're coming is they can stay in their cars. And so this is our opportunity to present the hope of Christ. Please show up. What do we need from you? Well, I'll tell you in a moment, but I want to first say, spread the word. Share our Facebook event and at the trunk or treat, trick or treat, it's not trunk or treat, the trick or treat table, please grab some flyers and pass them out. We're gonna put them in Goshen and Blanchester school folders as well. We need to spread the word. I want to introduce to you our leadership team. There's uh, five of us, uh, me included, but my ugly mug's on stage, so it doesn't need to be on screen. Zeke Baker, Tracy Scheimer, Veronica Grable, and Kelly Irwin. Can we just give it up for them? Pray for them as they deal with me but also pray for them as we put this thing together. We need people to help set up the Saturday before. So if you can do that, write that on your card. Um, but last but not least, you can go through the, uh, the, these are our brand new shirts. Can you see an Elevation Community Church logo on them? No, that's on purpose. We don't want to promote our church. We want to promote that we are free. That's it. And so you're able to take this shirt wherever, but here's the responsibility. If you wear the t-shirt, be ready for someone to ask you how you are free. Because that is the responsibility of a believer, to give a response for the hope that lies within them. We want everyone from Elevation Community Church, if you can possibly donate $10 to a shirt, to wear this shirt and cover our parking lot with not just bright colors, but the message that we are free and they can be too. Can we just pray for the trick-or-treat event? Father, I trust you. This is your event. I trust you to provide everything that we need for this, uh, for this event. 
God, we pray for the many families that come who are lost, confused, broken, and drifted away from you. I pray that the moment they even drive on this property, they would experience and feel the love of Jesus like they never have before. Would you agree? Would you agree, church, that we're speaking by faith, that something supernatural and spiritual is going to happen? This is way more than a drive-through. This is way more than candy. This is way more than doing a great event. This is all about the kingdom of heaven being added by people coming to know Jesus. And so, God, we just give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, leave the cards on your seat when you leave, and we will collect them. So now, we're in this series called Kingdom Voting. We're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian and vote according to the person and the policies of the kingdom of God. This is a tough one. And you can pray for me because every Sunday during this series, we get up here, I feel like I'm in shark-infested waters and, or a minefield, right? Don't want to step on a mine that's going to explode something inside of you. But I think we're going to be safe as long as we all agree that we're going to look to the kingdom of God and God's word to guide us accordingly in how we live our lives. Amen? Amen. And when we do that, when we allow God to bring spiritual renewal within the church, the culture will change. When the culture changes, guess who will change with it? The government. God does not bypass the church to fix the White House. He works in a life transformation way in all of us who are believers to impact the culture around us, which will then start to get the message to the White House that there is still hope in Jesus and the faith and the values that this country was founded on needs to stay and stand. And so I'd like to just present the goals of the series to you. And then we're gonna do a couple things. And then I have a couple points and then we're gonna worship again. So here's the goals for the series. Number one, awaken to our rich privilege as Americans to vote, but also to awaken to our Christian responsibility of a heavenly kingdom to vote. If you are not registered, my apologies, but it's too late. It closed on October 5th. So if that's you, I'm asking you to commit to pray every day up to the election. Prayer changes things. If you are registered to vote and you don't think you're going to vote or you don't know yet, can I let you know that if you are a Christian, you have a kingdom responsibility to be the voice of the family of God as American citizens to stand for the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, guys. A vote does matter, but that is not the only thing that you should be doing to change the culture around you. A vote during the election, and especially an important election like this, is very important but if you don't live your life in alignment to the kingdom of God, a vote is just a vote, and you know what? It will be forgotten in a couple years by you. Not, not that maybe your vote could have made a difference. What I'm saying is a vote without your life making life change in other people's lives is just that, a vote. We need to align our lives to the kingdom of God. Enough of that. Number two. We need to realign ourselves to the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's simply this, God's rule and reign in heaven and on earth. We have not seen the complete rule of the kingdom and the reign of Jesus Christ until Jesus splits the sky and comes back to redeem us all. But we're seeing glimpses of the kingdom of God. How are we seeing that? You, you Sherry, you Don, you Dolly, you Senior, yes, you Bob. All of you are the kingdom of God's vessels and citizens, ambassadors from a heavenly home to here. How do you make a change? You vote and you live your life and you treat others as Christ would have you treat them. 
Number three, we're going to turn our hearts back to God in prayer for our nation. Guys, we have to do this. We have to understand what's at stake here. And you know what? When the election comes, whoever is elected, that Sunday I can make you a promise. We're going to be back on our knees in prayer for the president and the administration that's in the White House. The White House does not dictate the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is supposed to dictate the governments. So, as American citizens, would you please stand as we've been doing every Sunday? Take your right hand if you're able, cross your heart, and let's say these words, but allow them to sink in. Ready? I pledge allegiance to the flag. You may be seated. Before we do our duties spiritually and pray, I want to read you the definition that we have been talking about of kingdom voting. It's this, the opportunity and the responsibility of committed Christians. Hi online, by the way. Can we say hi to live stream people? There's a lot watching. Hi, everybody. They can hear you in these mics, by the way. Um, the opportunity and responsibility of committed Christians to partner with God by expanding his rule and reign in society through civil government. It is only to the degree that you include God's person and policies. When you vote, you're voting for a person or a person that represents a group of persons, right? You're not voting just for the person, you're voting for the people that person represents. So it is only to the, to the degree that you include God's person and God's policies in society through civil government as he defines it, not as you define it, not as a political party defines it, not as CNN defines it, not as Fox defines it, not as social media defines it, but as the word of God defines it, that we can begin to see healing in the church. So then it can be modeled into our culture and change everything around it. That's how the kingdom of God works. If you could go back to the Pledge of Allegiance, I want you to understand that the problem we are facing today in 2020 is because we have removed ourselves as individuals, as churches, as public places, as officials and civil government, we have removed ourselves from being under the authority and the rule and the reign of God. And that is why we see the destruction and the division that we are facing today. We need church to repent. We need to understand the severity of the sin that we are allowing in our country to flourish that is causing more and more destruction. Watch this video. In our nation at one point in time, we, your people, we knew the word. We cry out, revive us, O Lord, according to thy word. We use the word imminent like we believe, but our lives continue to push the button of snooze. Please forgive us. In 1 Thessalonians, Jesus is the coming Lord. Wake up! He'll descend with a shout from heaven to gather those who embrace good news. We have confidence in him. Sadly, we don't see the message rapidly spread. Please forgive us. In 2 Thessalonians, Jesus is the faithful Lord who will strengthen us from the evil one and give us the power to trample and tread. We try and we try and we try to get to the other side, yet we know there's only one bridge. Please forgive us. In 1 Timothy, Jesus is the mediator between God and humanity. He serves as a ransom for all to cross to the eternal ridge. It's time for sound doctrine and stop bitching ears who desire to hear something new. We, your people, repent. In 2 Timothy, Jesus is the righteous judge who's going to judge the living and the dead with no exceptions through and through. 
as we wait for the blessed hope. Why have we become more about the works that we've done? Please forgive us in Titus. Jesus is the Savior. Having been justified by His grace, we have been washed and renewed by the love of God's Son. When others do us wrong or we are to express mercy, we're always keeping tally and count. We repent. In Philemon, Jesus is the master, our only master, the Messiah who brings about forgiveness, charges it to his own account. In our nation at one point in time, we are people, we knew the word, we cry out, revive us, O Lord, according to thy word. Even though the curtain of flesh was opened through his blood, we can't stay entrenched in sin, we repent. In Hebrews, Jesus is the high priest, giving us a new way to live, to draw near with a true heart and sprinkle clean from within over and over. We hear, don't talk the talk, rather walk the walk, lest us not become forgetful. Please forgive us. In James, Jesus is the perfect law who provides freedom and focus to become doers of the word to be fruitful. Because of his mercy, we're given a new birth, yet over time we've become fearful and afraid. Please forgive us. In First Peter, Jesus is the living hope. Through the resurrection of the dead, we have an inheritance that won't perish, rust, or fade because his call is to the straight and narrow. Many attempt to mislead us in their false ways. Please forgive us, beware. In 2 Peter, Jesus is the master of truth where no man has ever spoken like him with authority and power in all of our days. There is no fear in love, yet with the fear of punishment and death, at times it remains unclear. Please forgive us. In 1 John, Jesus is the perfect love where God in human flesh gave his life on the cross to drive out fear. So we cry out, revive us, O Lord, according to thy word. Even with the word of God as a bedrock for our nation, some say there's no truth whatsoever. Please forgive us. In 2 John, Jesus is the truth who came to testify. The truth that remains in us will be with us forever. We know we are to reflect his sinless ways, yet we feel the tension of imitating what is evil. We, your people, repent. In 3 John, Jesus is the perfect example. So when we have the mind of Christ and we walk as he did, we will see a true spiritual upheaval. We must keep ourselves in the love of God and not cave to the ways of promiscuity and denial. Please forgive us. In Jude, Jesus is the merciful Lord, who in these times calls us to stand firm and snatch others from the fiery trial. In our nation at one point in time, we, your people, we knew your word. And we cry out, revive us, O Lord, according to thy word. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Now is the time not to slack. Please forgive us. In Revelation, Jesus is the I am. The one who is, who was, and who is coming. The Almighty will be back. In our nation, at one point in time, we, your people, we knew the word. We cry out, revive us, O Lord, according to thy word. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so to follow that, as we have done the last two weeks and today, I'm going to call all of you to join me in prayer for our nation, but we're going to address the sin in our lives as well. And in demonstration of just being on our knees, if you are able and willing, feel free to get in whatever posture is submissive and in a surrender way to the Lord. So let's pray. Holy Father, who are in heaven, Holy is your name. We acknowledge you are the one true God. We acknowledge that you are Lord of heaven and earth. We acknowledge that you are fully in control. You rule and reign the nations, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. You rule the nations, you raise kings into the throne, and you take kings out. You are in charge, Father. You are sovereign. You are faithful. You are all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. 
And we bow our hearts in fear before you, Lord, not fear that we're scared to death of your punishment and your wrath, but we are in awe of your power, in awe of your glory and your righteousness and your ability to hold everything together. And so we submit to you, Father, and we come to you through your son Jesus and what he's done for us. And we're pleading on behalf of our church, on behalf of Blanchester and our surrounding communities, on behalf of our government and our nation. Father, we repent for all the sin that we have allowed on our watch. We repent, God, for the hate and the division between colors of skin between religion, division between families, and God, division between political parties. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for judging others. Forgive us for condemning those who don't look like us. Forgive us for not giving them the opportunity to receive what we have received in you. God, forgive us for allowing the murder that goes on every day, adults to adults, terrorists to crowds, evil in schools, and over 60 million babies aborted. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. Lord, we do thank you that there is a decline in the numbers throughout the last 20 years. We thank you. We thank you for the church rising up. But Lord, we still have work to do. Father, forgive us for not standing for the the marginalized, for standing for the orphan and the widow, those who can't get a job and those who are disabled those who are struggling with sickness and mental illness, God, forgive us for turning a blind eye. God, forgive us for not holding our leaders accountable. Forgive us, God, for that. And forgive us as a church, God, that closes our doors to those we think won't hear the message, to those who we think are enemies of you. But Father, may we be reminded that you left the 99 sheep to go find the one. And at one point, we were that one. And Father, we know that we hinder all the blessings that you have in our lives when we allow sin to reign in our lives. And so, Lord, would you just search our hearts? Search our hearts right now. Show us where we are squeezing you out, where we are pushing you off the throne of our heart. And forgive us, God. Thank you that your word says if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, we ask that anyone struggling with the COVID sickness in our government, in our communities, including President Trump, Father, that you would bring healing, you would protect your children, your people, and you would obliterate this COVID in the name of Jesus. We trust you, and in the midst of the storm, We look for you every time. In Jesus' name, amen. With the time remaining, I'd like to just present to you two points. Last night, as I was, as I do on Saturdays, I I usually look at my message that the Lord has downloaded in my life, and then I put them to slides. And last night when I was doing that after the kids went to bed, I looked at the screen and I just, I felt the Lord just say, that's not the message I want shared tomorrow. 
And as you can imagine, I was scared because <laughs> I said, well, okay, but you're going to have to give me the message. And so I'm just praying that the Lord gives the message that, re- that is received by you and by me. And I believe the message is going to revolve these two points. is understanding what we are doing to ourselves, our families, our marriages, our relationships, and our communities and our world when we remove God from his lordship in our lives. Sadly, there are so many churches that have removed God's lordship from their church. May that not be so of us and all the different churches in our communities. So I just wanna look at what destruction and what causes us to remove ourselves from being under God. There's gotta be something that woos us, that persuades us, that draws us away from what God has given us. And we need to identify that and figure that out. And then we're just going to look at what it means in this election season and beyond to be in alignment with the kingdom of God in everything we do. So let's look real quick at not being under God. As we've said this and as the video displayed so well, the further we remove ourselves from being under the lordship, the rule and reign of the kingdom of God in our communities, in our relationships and in our nation, when we remove ourselves from the rule and the reign or the person and the policies, when we vote this election season, we are voting for a person and policies, not the person themselves necessarily, but the persons that that person represents and their policies. When we remove God from the person and the policies of the kingdom of God, through civil government as God defines it, not as CNN defines it, not as Sean Hannity defines it, or Mike Huckabee, or you name it, social media. It's as God defines it. Not as even you and your small group thinks it should be. It's as God would define it. When that happens, we can begin to see healing in the church so then it can be modeled to the culture. I want us to look real quick to Romans chapter one. Many of you who are in small groups, you've just read that this week. And I do wanna do a a shameless plug. Wednesday nights at seven o'clock right here in the sanctuary is our large gathering and we will be going through the teaching and discussing of Romans all the way from chapter one to 16. And so we invite you to come as you are. There's enough space for all of us. And uh, I just really hope that you guys can make some time to come out if you're not connected to another small group that is. So let's look at the origins of sin. It's really important to understand this so that we can try to prevent it and put a stop to it in our own lives. For although they knew God, let's just stop there. Who's they? When the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Jewish converts, the Christians, those who were Jew but now believe in Jesus the Son, They thought that the Apostle Paul was writing to the Gentiles, those who don't know God, those who aren't the Lord's elect or chosen. Sound familiar? But what we see in chapter two, which you can read on yourself, and we're gonna study this coming Wednesday, is that it wasn't about the Gentiles. It was about those who proclaim to know Christ and yet they are doing the same sins that our forefathers all the way to the garden and Adam and Eve committed. And so let's continue to read on. They, so what is they? They are those who have removed themselves from God's lordship, they. They did not honor him as God. They removed him. They dethroned God. 
or they didn't give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Look at every problem we have going on in our world. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Lest you think that doesn't relate to you, we may not have images carved out of wood or material that look like an animal, but you sure have several devices in your home that turn on. Becomes idols when you dethrone God and put something else in that place. Therefore, because mankind decided they would not worship God, but they would worship the creation that the creator created. So God therefore gave them up to their lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We do not have a government problem today. We do not have an abortion problem today. We have a worship problem. Which causes us to be fooled and darkened in our ways. We have a worship problem, friends. We don't have a sexuality problem. We don't have an addiction problem. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't have a race problem. We have a worship problem. This goes all the way back to the first man and first woman created in God's perfect image. Everything available to them in God's creation in the garden. They had perfect oneness with God. They ruled and reigned and they were called to multiply and build the kingdom of God on earth. I don't know about you, but as a parent, I want to give my kids freedom. But in order for them to choose freedom, they need to have something to choose from. And that means we need to create discipline and some limited rules or boundaries so that they understand that they have the freedom to choose one or the other. Now there's consequences of one and consequences of the other. But God created us to have freedom to choose him or not. And so right smack dab in the Garden of Eden, right in the center, why in the center? Because they could never get away from it. Wherever they went, there was the tree, the boundary, the limitation. What was that tree? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. May I argue with you today, or maybe not argue with you, but raise the argument. Eve did not sin by eating an apple. Not like Snow White. We have to understand what the tree of knowledge of good and evil was. As Tony Evans put it, I wish I could claim this as mine. It was the Google tree. It was the tree of human reasoning of what we think what is evil and what is good and look where it's gotten us only God who made them after their image communing with them fully 
had everything to their answers, had all the divine revelation, and yet they chose human reasoning. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they decided that they could be God. They were tempted that they could be God, that God was holding out on them. But what we know is true is they were already like God, and yet they bought it hook, line, and sinker that God was holding out and that they could do a better job ruling and reigning on earth. And we still have that problem today. And it's called pride. Proverbs 6 calls it haughtiness. Let's look at this definition of haughtiness. When we are haughty, we become the center of our universe. Everything revolves around, oh wait, The Google tree was in the center of the garden. What you put at the center is what you tend to resort to. And they removed God from the center of the garden and they took the fruit, which is human reasoning, defining evil and good for themselves. They have removed God from being Lord and ruling and reigning over them. And God gave them over to their destruction. For they neither knew God nor worshipped him. And they they worshipped creation rather than the creator. There is little, if any, concern for what others think and no consideration of the will of God. Pride and haughtiness is the trunk of the tree from which all other sins sprout. What was the sin of Adam and Eve? It was defining right and wrong in their eyes. Look at every destructive, sinful thing going on around you. Take it all the way back to the tree of human reasoning. We have pushed God out. When we are at the center of our world, then nothing that we want is unlawful to us. And so I challenge us to return, to change this for us and for our generations to come by returning to God, by seeking the kingdom of God, not human reasoning. In this election, are you seeking other counsel besides the word of God? Are you looking at every candidate and their policies and looking to see if anything lines up here? And let me be honest here, I don't think there's any candidate necessarily right now that is going to 100% align fully with the word of God. But we have to do our very best, guided by the Holy Spirit, to ask What direction, God, are you calling us to go? And where do we put our vote accordingly? But then when you're done voting, you need to continue that by living out your life in alignment with the word of God. Sadly, so many Christians who've been Christians for 10 plus years don't know the word. We have no excuse, friends. The word is available to us in almost every translation. It's available to us on our phone, on our TV, in books, everywhere. We need to know what God says so that we don't fall into the trap of human reasoning. So what's that look like? Well, instead of human reasoning, we need to look at divine wisdom. And James chapter three says the wisdom of the world is jealousy, selfish ambition, and bitterness. It says where those things exist, there will be every demonic destructive thing. But the wisdom of God is pure. 
and loving and upright and merciful and righteous. We need to seek the wisdom of God and we need to start putting human reasoning in the grave. We need to return to a life lived under God's mercy. Let's look at, um, if we could look at uh, Proverbs 1.7. says, fear of the Lord is a foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Goes all the way back to pride in the garden. The fear of the Lord as we prayed, isn't about being scared of your heavenly daddy that a lightning bolt is gonna come and strike you dead. It's the fear, the reverent awe that he is fully in control and holds it all together. He is in charge of your very next and very last breath. Proverbs 1.29 says this, and see how this aligns with Romans 1 that we just read. But this is talking about wisdom. Wisdom is shouting from the streets and the mountaintops saying, come, follow me. For they hated knowledge. Who's they? Those who removed God from being Lord of their lives and sought out human reasoning and the things of this world to be their answer. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. I didn't make this up, guys. This is in your Bible. Choking on their own schemes for simpletons turn away from God, from me, wisdom, which is death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. And I believe that the people that built this nation and this country, they understood this. And I know that their prayer would be for us to return to listening to the voice of God. Because when we do this church, don't miss it. There will be peace, untroubled by fear. Can you imagine a situation, you turn on the news and there's actually peace and people untroubled by fear and harm? That can happen, but we have to put human reasoning in its place and we have to pursue the kingdom of God in all things. If the band can come up, I want to end with a prayer that I, I found at the Google tree. Not everything in the Google tree is bad. Google can lead you to the scriptures but you have to be careful where it leads you. Just like Adam and Eve, they weren't aware of where it was going to lead them. And I wanna say this prayer together and I just want you to follow along with me quietly. We'll put this on Facebook sometime this afternoon. But I'd like to close with this prayer and then we'll worship. Loving God, I ask you to guide me. I ask you to guide each one of us during this important election season. Help us to understand the gospels in which Jesus Christ reveals his path of love, mercy, and compassion, especially toward those who are poor, sick, or struggling in any way. Instruct me on what the church teaches or the Bible teaches on the most important issues of our day, abortion. Racism. I got to go back. I'm not trying to hammer this or to make anyone feel condemned. But abortion exists because human reasoning took over. The human reasoning that it's a person's right 
to make decisions for their body when there is another body in them. It's human reasoning. It's pride. But we need to understand that they're a fallen, dark world pursuing human reasoning. And we've got to be that light to guide them to truth, to have civil debates and discussion, to guide them to what the Bible says. The Bible says to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your acceptable act of worship. You know what that includes? The body living within women. We have choices to make of what comes into our bodies and what comes out. And we will be held accountable, friends, as a church for sitting idle and not addressing all of these issues with the Word of God. Racism, migration, war and peace, health care, the death penalty, economic justice, care for the environment, and all those questions that I must ponder with your help. God, enable us to form our conscience so that I may vote wisely. Loving God, I ask you to help me live peacefully with others. Allow me to be open to the opinions of others with whom I disagree. Fill me with a spirit of charity towards those who may oppose me and give me patience in times of struggle. Loving God, I ask you to help me stand with those who are marginalized or persecuted. Increase my courage so that I can stand up in times of danger. Create in me a new heart, O oh God, that I might be brave in times of turmoil. Make me someone who is ready to care for, advocate for, and suffer with those on the margins. Loving God, I ask you to aid our civic leaders. Grant them good health, Father, and a spirit of wisdom. Open to them paths of reconciliation. Teach them your ways of love and mercy and compassion. Loving God, I ask you to bless our nation. Crown it with your compassion. Support it with your care. And nurture it with your love. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.